We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on tonight. Uh, Another late night here. Um, Just plugging along through the uh, offseason of the college football season. Um, I I really, really hope you guys are following the podcast Twitter account at TNT College Foot One as uh, every day starting this past Monday. I'm breaking down two teams a day uh, leading up to the season and at the end of August. So this week I've started in the, in the American, the AAC, and uh, broke down um, six teams already. So duh, just a really, really exciting uh, thing that I do. I, d- I did it last year as well and got some good reviews off of it, and I feel like I did pretty well from my prediction standpoint. Looking back on that, my biggest hit was Cincinnati projecting them to the college football playoff, and my biggest miss was definitely the University of Washington um, as they fell flat on their face last season. But <clears throat> a lot of hits along the way, so that was good. Um, but Again, doing it this year, uh, getting a lot of great reviews off of that already. <clears throat> so, if you would please, please, please follow the podcast Twitter account at TNT College Foot One, and then you can see those previews every day. To, like I said, two a day leading up to the beginning of the season. So tonight's episode, um, I'll do my weekly coaches corner segment on a new coach. Um, it, it, it just so happens that uh, this week it's uh, Stan Drayton at the Univers- at the University of Temple, and they will be the first team I break down tomorrow morning. So, kind of a good segue there. I'm going to take a break from my armchair quarterback segment. Um, I will do the Pac-12 next week. The uh, reason I'm going to take a break is because a lot of a lot of great questions were submitted for the show this week, so I want to make sure I hit on all those. Then, of course, I have to take a little bit of time to talk about the UConn Huskies and my partnership with Sidelines UConn. Um, The Huskies got six commits over the weekend. Only three have been announced so far, but still a huge, huge weekend for the Huskies getting some big-time players to join uh, the revolution. And then Coastal Carolina has nine commitments just in one week, so... I have to hit on my two teams uh, that I love to talk about. But uh, first, I'm going to dive into a lot of these questions. <clears throat> um, a lot of great ones. Um, first off, will Oklahoma and Texas, with Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12, will it have an adverse impact on recruiting within the conference or at least recruiting within the state of Texas? <clears throat> well, The Big 12 is still going to have a big imprint in the state of Texas with having TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor, adding Houston. Um, Then with potential expansion down the road, that's another question that I'll get to later. 
<clears throat> but there's that possibility of more expansion down the road too where some more teams can be added from the state of Texas, of course. Um, so, I mean, I don't think I don't think it's going to go away. Obvi- obviously, you got a bunch of programs, um, big-time programs that are going to get big-time players, especially if Dave Aranda is at Baylor. I think Dave Aranda is going to be able to pull some of that big-time talent just because of how good of a coach he is. Um, I think Texas Tech is always going to have a draw just because of of their their proximity and the offense that they run and things. Um, so I think that's a draw to certain players. Um, TCU always, at least in the past, I mean, now that Gary Patterson's gone, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But um, just uh, they've always had an imprint in the Dallas-Fort Worth area when it comes to recruiting. But, I mean, I, I – I think it's I think it's a given though that with Texas and Oklahoma leaving to the SEC, you already have Texas A and M in the AC in the SEC, um, that it's gonna it's gonna hurt things a little bit. Um, the best players are more than likely going to wanna go to the SEC and play in that conference. Um, if Texas ever gets to the level that they should be at you would think a lot of those homegrown players from Texas would want to go there and be a part of that. Um, we already know Texas A&M is getting those kids, and Oklahoma gets plenty of them too. So, I mean, I, I, I think it would be crazy to say that it's not going to affect it because it will. But I think as long as there are still some good coaches in the Big 12, like Dave Aranda at Baylor, I think that's going to – I think he'll always have a – an imprint on the state of Texas and the recruiting landscape just because he's too good of a coach not to. Now, if he gets another job somewhere else, then that's a whole nother thing. But we can visit that when that happens. Um, Another question goes off of what we were just talking about. Do do I expect the Big 12 to expand? Um, If so, what are some of the realistic candidates? Um, I, I really feel um, Memphis makes sense. Um, get a little southern um, influx there. I think Boise State makes sense just because then you give BYU a partner over in that realm. Um, I think South Florida makes a lot of sense um, just because of the market that they have. And then UCF then has somebody I know UCF fans um, don't want that but it, it, that rivalry is good for them uh, they hate to admit it but it's true um, so there's three and then a fourth one I'll, I'll stay in the state of Texas and go with SMU I mean they're in Dallas I mean I know TCU's in Fort Worth but I think the more Texas teams you have the better <clears throat> realistically um, and then who's to say maybe down the road UTSA doesn't build themselves into something um, really, really impressive. Um, so I think there there could be a possibility there. I think one interesting one that not a lot of people uh, may discuss, but something that I, I, some someone I'm just going to throw out there just to just to banter on it is North Dakota State. Um, just with how they control the FCS level, winning 
countless national titles at that level. Could they make the jump, that big of a jump? I think from a Mountain West perspective, they they could go right into the Mountain West and compete and possibly win the Mountain West. And the Mountain West is very, very good. But that's how good North Dakota State is. So I, I don't know if if they would – it doesn't really make sense in the Mountain West from their perspective because they would be an outlier compared to everybody else. Whereas the Big 12, you're kind of expanded to a national brand as you can say, from going from West Virginia and Florida and Cincinnati and Ohio all the way now to Provo, Utah, and many places in between. So, I mean, I think I think there's a lot of possibilities there. Like I said, I think Boise State really makes sense, but I also think Boise State makes sense if the Pac-12 decides to expand. Um, I think San Diego State and Boise State make perfect sense, but... Um, for, for the pack from a pack 12 perspective but I, I I do feel I feel Memphis is probably the the first invite in my opinion just because of uh, the part of the country they're in I've kind of been surprised that they've been left out of a lot of the expansion talks um, but they're they're a program that we've seen rise kind of rapidly. In the last couple of years, they've kind of lost that uh, what they've kind of lost that edge that they've had in their offense hasn't been what it was. But you got to think what you're adding overall from the entire athletic department. You're adding a really good men's basketball program and other sports as well. So. I just think that blueprint where they're located is huge for the Big 12 as they look to expand. So <clears throat> those are a couple teams I look at when it comes to that. Um, another question, why does the media hype the same four teams every year? Uh, that, <laughs> Well, that's there. there's a couple ways to answer that. If we're being honest, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia – Clemson, the likes of them, are usually the best teams. So, I mean, that's why they're being hyped. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, the national media is going to talk about whoever the best teams are. And realistically, Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia this year are the three best teams, and it's not really a debate. So, yeah, it kind of stinks that we're having to hear about the same teams over and over and over again. But until somebody else rises up um, to to overtake that then they're gonna that's what it's gonna continue to be um, whether we like it or not but uh, I mean I think USC is going to be right up there before we know it um, <clears throat> Oklahoma's close Notre Dame's a national brand I mean I, I, I do think I do think this year though there is the opportunity for because there's such a debate on who the fourth best team is and who that fourth team, I think we all agree that Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia are more than likely going to be in the college football playoff. But there are probably 10 to 15 teams at least that you could debate on being that fourth team that makes it. And I think that's great for college football because like Cincinnati proved last year that you could get in. Now a lot of things had to fall their way for it to happen, but – 
there there's an opportunity now for G5 to get in there or the likes of somebody somebody else from one of the power conferences <clears throat> like the winner of the Pac-12, whether it's USC, Utah, Oregon, they could get in depending on what their record is. Um, you look at the ACC, it's not just Clemson anymore. Like NC State has a opportunity to be very good. Miami could be very good. Um, so you, there, you look at a handful of teams there, and then in the Big Ten, like who's to say Michigan isn't as good as they were last year? I mean, I know they lose a lot, but – there, so there's different possibilities. Then you got to look at the Big 12. Can Oklahoma, uh, with Brent Venables, be what they were? Um, I'm very high on Kansas State. Now I, I think that would that's an outside shot looking in. Obviously, uh, Baylor's very very good. Oklahoma State's very good. So I mean, there, there's a handful of teams this year that you look at, or more than a handful, I should say that you look at that could be that fourth team that gets in. So I think that's I think that's a great thing when it comes to this year because, like I said, those top three this year are going to be talked about a lot. Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia are going to be talked about a lot because they are pretty clear-cut the top three teams. Um, so, it, <clears throat> I mean, it, it, it kind of stinks that, that that's how uh, – the media hypes up a lot of these the same teams every year but it's because like i said realistically they are the best teams whether we like it or not it's it's the god's honest truth when it comes to that um, next the next question i had thoughts on the sunbelt facilities and stadiums now everybody who listens to me <clears throat> regularly knows that this this question is right up my alley because of my love for the sunbelt and because of my love for uh, stadiums and traveling the country and going to new stadiums, so I mean, you got to stop. You got to start at the top, which for me, um, obviously, Coastal Carolina and the Surf Turf at Brook Stadium is one of my favorites, just because of my fandom of the Shants and because I love the color teal. And if you haven't, if you haven't seen it. You need to see it in person. It's 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 a really really cool place, and it's a cool place to watch football too. I will say, um, you you have to mention Kid Brewer Stadium with App State and Brewer, North Carolina. I mean, just the, I mean, we've all seen all the pictures of uh, Kid Brewer, and just in the fall, and it's in the mountains. I mean, there's there's nothing better than than that. Just just from the pictures and everything. Um, Georgia Southern Paulson Stadium has, is is underrated, in my opinion. Um, one, because of the history that Georgia Southern has um, just from winning. But uh, just if, to me, it seems like a really uh, friendly place to see a game. Um, then you look at Georgia State. They obviously converted the old Atlanta Braves baseball stadium into their football stadium. So, for me, that's an interesting, interesting way to look at it. Um, I I know I've seen different debates on Georgia State's actual campus being ter being rough to look at, and it's not pleasing to the eye, and all this and that. But the football stadium looks great from everything I've seen. Um, uh, James Madison is one. Bridgeforth Stadium is. 
I would say one of the better G5 stadiums in college football and with with them just joining the group of five. I, I really believe, I mean, you see that stadium, the fan base is beyond, like, so passionate, just a great group of people. Um, just, uh, I, I'm a huge, huge fan of them and what that program is going to become, in my opinion. And I think their facilities and their stadium are top-notch. Then you look at Marshall uh edward stadium just the history that's happened there i mean you could go i mean there's been movies made about it i mean there i mean just the history that has happened at that university and when you step into that stadium they just redid the field the field turf it looks great um so that was a big up big time upgrade for them um that's really going to help out there um old dominion i'll be honest that's one i don't know as much about uh Ballard Stadium. Um, they're obviously a newer program to the FCS level within the past 10, 15 years. So, I mean, I have to imagine that their stadium facilities are newer. Um, but like I said, that's one I'm not as familiar with. So I'm not going to really speak on that too much. Uh, Arkansas State Centennial Bank Stadium is a beautiful stadium. Um, they got that waterfall in the one end zone. I mean, it just it looks like a fantastic, fantastic stadium. Um, now, if they can just get back to the level that uh, that they can be at and winning, um, it would be be great for. Uh, but the facilities that they have are top notch. Uh, you look at Louisiana and Cajun Field. I mean, they've been with the amount of games they've been winning recently. The support that they've got has been amazing. Um, just uh, so it's huge for them. The fan base comes out and fills that stadium really well, um, does a good job for them. Um, South Alabama, um, Hancock-Whitney Stadium obviously is a very good stadium because the NFL holds the Senior Bowl there. So And, and they have an indoor practice facility. So, I mean, they have top-notch facilities there in Mobile. So, I mean, you have to put them – at the near the top of the Sun Belt as well, um, just because for the sheer reason that the NFL obviously thinks their facility is great and they use it. Um, Southern Miss just joining the league. MM Roberts Stadium, the the Rock as they call it, is a great place as well. Another extremely passionate fan base that that's just leaps and bounds. Um, head over heels for their program um just amazing group of fans then uh, bobcat stadium with texas state is another one that looks looks great i mean i, I think when i when i think of the sunbelt in the stadiums and facilities i think of the stadiums are all the perfect size for their programs i mean These these teams, when they're good, obviously, they're packing the stadiums, they're filling them. I think App State is one who could maybe expand their stadium just because of, one, the success that they've had, but, two, their fan base will support them no matter what. And, and, and I know that uh, there's talks with JMU um, as they progress into their um, – FBS state that they would add a top layer uh, to it to another side of their stand so they would almost have an, a bowl 
of sorts for their stadium. So, I mean, with, with like like I said, I'm extremely high on them and what what they bring to the table. But uh, I, I think from the perspective of facilities, I, I will. I will lean towards South Alabama being at the top just because of the fact that the NFL holds the Senior Bowl there, and obviously the facilities are hold, held to a higher standard when it comes to that. Um, I know there's a, a couple others. like I know Coastal Carolina is building a an, an indoor facility, and, uh, uh, and of course, I, I named some of the other ones where you just look at their stadium and you just know, like, it's a big time place. So, uh, there's some really great venues there, and I can't wait to get to all of them. Uh, another great question here that <laughs> I I agree with what this person is saying. Um, what are Colorado's options at head coach? Um, is there a current head coach to answer? Um, this person is surprised that Colorado is trend, trending more towards Colorado State's level. How would you rate their job and future in the Pac-12? Um, are they in the right conference and perception and recruiting-wise? So there, there's a lot to that. So <clears throat> obviously Colorado has fallen on like hard times since since Mel Tucker left. It has been. It's been abysmal, just to say the least, and it and it's not getting any better um, anytime soon. Um, the only the only bigger dumpster fire in the Pac-12 was probably Arizona State, and that's just because of how things have been handled there. Um, but <clears throat> I mean, if you've never been to Boulder, Colorado, and Folsom Field, I mean, it, it's one of the most beautiful parts of the country, and it's one of the best places to see a game. I mean. Um, Boulder, Colorado is an amazing place. I've been there. Um, it's it's a, just a beautiful place. So, I mean, from a recruiting standpoint, I feel like you would be able to get players who want to come there just because of, of the scenery. You're not far from Denver. You're not from a major – you're not far from a major U.S. city. I mean, so there – I mean, there's plenty that you could ever want – uh, the facilities are fantastic, so I mean, it just doesn't doesn't make sense that they're not as good as what they are. I mean, uh, Carl Durrell started year one pretty well, but then last year, their four and eight season, um, they were actually, in my opinion, kind of lucky that they won as many games as they did. Honestly. Um, I mean, they, they beat Washington because Washington was a train wreck at the end of the year. They did upset Oregon State, and they beat Arizona, and Arizona was awful last season. They're going to be a lot better this year. Um, so I guess I kind of look at them, and I say, well, if Carl Durrell isn't the answer, which it's kind of seeming like he's not, then then who who would be – who would be the next man up? And I think, I think you got to think first Kalani Sataki at BYU, but then of course BYU is about to join the um, Big Twelve. So it's like, is that even that big of a draw? Probably not, um, because 
from the Big 12 to the Pac-12, I mean, is there really, especially with the realignment stuff, is there really going to be much of a difference? Um, <clears throat> one guy they don't have to look very far for, Troy Calhoun at Air Force. I mean, I mean he's been there for 15 years now, and he's done an amazing job um, with that system that they have there. I mean, Air Force hosts Colorado this year, so we'll find out real quick how that how that goes. I mean, I think anybody that's been affiliated with Boise State instantly would be um, a good good choice. But I, I think personally the number one guy that I would look at is uh, Blake Anderson at Utah State. I think what he's done there and, and at Arkansas State when he was there, he, he's just done an amazing job. And I think he's proven that he can recruit – uh, high-level talent to the uh, the mountainous region of the United States. Let's just call it that. Um, so I, to the Rocky Mountain area. So I mean, I think he's proven that he could he can recruit guys to that area. And, and let's be honest, Utah State is better than Colorado right now. And I would I would rather have Utah State in their roster this year than the Colorado Buffaloes roster heading into. Pac-12 play so kind of looking at it like that um, I look at it as um, I think he could be the answer if if there is a change um, with in regards to them trending towards Colorado State's level I think Colorado State has been trending upward just because of how much money there is there within the university the uh, alumni base and just the amount of money that's there. So I think that's how Colorado State's just been able to trend upward in so many sports and do so well recently just because of the amount of money that's being thrown around. Uh, how would I rate the, the Colorado job when it comes to the rest of the Pac-12? I mean, I, de I definitely think it's a better job than both Arizona and Arizona State. Um, I would say... I would say it's better than a better job than Washington State. I mean, just because of uh, what you're going to have from a facility and opportunity perspective. I mean, it, it, it might even be better than Cal Berkeley. I mean, just from what they have. I mean, obviously, it's not Oregon, USC, um, Utah. I mean, it's it's not that, or, or even Washington when it comes to Seattle. I mean, UCLA, it's not at that level. So, I mean, I think it's definitely in the middle of the pack of the conference, but it's not at the bottom. I'll say that um, just because, I mean, I've been to Colorado many times, and I think there's just a huge draw for that environment. Um, and then are they in the right conference? Um, <clears throat> that That is a tough one for me. Because I, I really feel like the original Big 12 with them in Nebraska was, I, I feel like that was great. And I feel like that was perfect. But I also, I also understand um, why the shift was made to the Pac-12 um, because of because of the shifting landscape of college football. We've now seen the Big 12 change drastically, and it's about to change even more uh, next year in 2023. 
So, I mean, I think they got out when they needed to, and, and I don't think there's any turning back. I think that's the that's the main thing. I think they're kind of they're at where they're at, and that's I mean that's the state of of their affairs. I think when it comes to conference, the conference. I mean, I think I don't think there's any other place they can go. Um, I don't think going back to the Big Twelve is beneficial at all for them. I think that would be a really bad downgrade when it comes to them. And uh, I feel like the perception of their athletic program would take a big hit when it comes to that. Um, uh, next question, uh, thoughts on West Virginia and Northwestern's new uniforms. Uh, if you didn't see both um, released new uniforms, uh, alternate uniforms yesterday, well, Northwestern did a whole, whole thing. And Northwestern's only real change was they added a stripe to the shoulder pad area. I mean, it looks good. I mean, it makes it, – it, it looks good, but it, it really doesn't do anything for me because it's it's the same exact uniform just with stripes on the shoulders now. I mean, that's all. Um, West Virginia's, on the other hand, the new white ones that they just put out a whole promo and release and everything for, those look really good, I think – and and the whole release video was done very well. I mean, they they definitely know how to play off the whole country road thing, which I mean they should. I mean that's <laughs> that's what they're known for. But uh, I, I love that one. And then just today, uh, Toledo University of Toledo released some new uh, all blue uniforms that looked really really good. I I actually liked those more than West Virginia and North Northwestern. If I'm being honest, I thought those looked really really good. Um, then uh, final question is, how is James Franklin able to recruit so well after going um, eleven and eleven in two seasons? Um, I, well, I think one way is. I mean, they're Penn State, so they're gonna. I, I feel like they're Penn State. They're gonna do well, um, just because. I mean, when it comes to the history of that program, I think there's a lot of guys that are gonna want to go there. Um, in the state of Pennsylvania, I think it means it means something to go to Penn State. Um, I've seen different documentaries and things about that. Um, I am surprised how many five-star guys that they're able to get though I, I that does surprise me um they got three five-star guys in the 2022 class so that kind of surprises me i mean i know pennsylvania is a very fertile recruiting area for high school football so i mean i get that there's going to be some guys there that want to stay home but uh they were able to get a five-star quarterback from ohio so that was kind of surprising um that that he didn't end up at ohio state or or somewhere else. I mean, just, uh, but I do feel like you're in the Big Ten. You're in the Big Ten East. I mean, the fact that you're playing Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State every year means something. And then James Franklin's a likable guy. I mean, he's charismatic. Uh, he's entertaining. Um, so, I mean, I feel like that has a lot to do with it, too. I mean, he's just got a great personality. Players are drawn to that, especially uh, the modern-day players drawn to that. 
and I mean, realist, I mean, really, he is a good coach. Um, I mean, anybody who can win at Vanderbilt is a, has to be a good coach. I mean, um, obviously, he's in the Big Ten, Big Ten East, so he's playing three games a year against some of the best teams, the, the best teams in the country: Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Throw in the fact they that you're gonna have crossover games with potentially Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, whoever it may be. I mean, they're gonna get tested, and then they've had a home and home with Auburn recently. So I mean, they're they're testing themselves. Um, they're in the one of the best divisions, obviously one of the best conferences in college football. So I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be tough, but. When you're uh, when you have a likable guy like James Franklin, I think he's going to be able to get those type of recruits. Then one last thing, I have to give a shout out to uh, to uh, Steve Childress, uh, Chili, who who uh, is part of the Strop Podcast, uh, the Big Time Coastal Carolina Podcast. That if you're not listening, please listening, please listen to that. But he also has his own show, um, where he, where he, it's entitled Chili, where he uh, does a lot of uh, history background. But he released an episode the other day, um, talking about how Theodore Roosevelt saved college football. And I, I don't want to give too much away about the episode, but it's a, it's a really really good listen. I mean, go. Go to Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. And I mean, I listened to it; it was it was great. I mean, just uh, the history of uh, Theodore Roosevelt and uh, him basically saving college football with a bunch of rule changes. I mean, it was very, very well done and very interesting. I mean, I I'm a big history person, um, and I just hearing that. Uh, aspect i have to give him a shout out for that i mean just a great job on his end um again i i I loved it um it was it was fun to listen to and i definitely learned something too so that was cool um i'm gonna take a little bit now talk about uh again university of yukon um university of connecticut i should say the yukon huskies um i have a partnership with sidelines connecticut we work together on many things, um, and the Huskies just this past weekend had a bunch of visits on campus. Got uh, six commitments, um, so big, big, big time for for UConn and uh, the building football program. Um, Jim Mora is just doing amazing things with with that program. Um, just the enthusiasm around the program and everything that he's been able to do. I, I'm just, I'm just been amazed. Um, just from my partnership last year with Sidelines UConn and being around um, every everything when it comes to that, and just seeing this program grow um, has just been, just in a short period of time, it's just been amazing. Um, and there, like I said, there's only been three released, but there were six actual commitments. One being uh, Cleto Chole, who is uh, a six-six defensive end, outside linebacker, wide receiver, tight end. He's just an all-around great athlete. He's he's gonna probably play defensive line at UConn. 
Um, just a big time get for them. 6'6", 240 pounds. Um, so that's, I mean, you're getting a big time athlete in there who's going to do some great things. Um, then, uh, so that one's exciting. You get, you get a big time athlete on your defensive line, uh, who's really going to come in and, uh, and help and do some things. And, uh, next in line, just mammoth offensive lineman and Torian Johnson, six, eight, 320 pounds, just a ginormous human being. I mean, if you watch his, if you watch his tapes, he's just pancaking everybody. Just an amazing, an amazing sight. Um, and then the next, the the other, um, the first of the three, Brandon Kelly, uh, defensive end, 6'5", 225, um, from Pennsylvania. So uh, another uh, big-time monster added there. I mean, getting guys in the trenches is huge. Just big time um, for for any program, but for especially a program who is building and trying to build up. And obviously, Jim Mora has made it a point um, to build within the trenches because UConn's entire offensive line this year will be new, and it needed to be because UConn's offensive line play last year was atrocious. Um, so it needed to be. But to see the 2023 class start off in such a positive way is just huge. And there's some more announcements that are gonna be coming up very soon. And we'll know some of those more commitments. Um, then I gotta talk about Coastal Carolina getting nine commitments in one week and just some big time, big time, big time athletes, um, some big time defensive linemen, some guys that are choosing Coastal over uh, P5 programs. Um, that's just the level that Coastal Carolina has Turn to. I mean, this is a program now that can get guys over P5 schools. And uh, as the social media world is saying, and I'm saying it every day, the shots are hot. And uh, they're, they're, they're living it up. They're playing. They're, I mean, you look good, play good. They have fun. I mean, there, there's nothing better than than what Jamie Chadwell has built there. And I, I know if you're an avid listener of my show, you know how much I enjoy watching Coastal Carolina and seeing them play and competing every day and how much I love Jamie Chadwell and what they've done there. Um, just huge fan of that. And, and, and it's translating into the recruits that they're getting. It really is. So... And, and it's going to continue to. I mean, the, what they've built there can't be faked. It is a real thing. It's it, it's a tangible movement that's just been made, and they're just they're gonna they're gonna be here for a while. They're not going anywhere. So now I'll conclude the show, jumping into my coach's corner segment. Um, like I said, on Stan Drayton from Temple. Um, who, who has really waited his turn to become a college head coach. Um, he's been a tremendous running backs coach for a long, long time, since the early 90s. Um, I mean, he's only 51, so it's not like he's old, an, old, an old coach by any means, but he's been coaching for a while. I mean, he, 
he became the running back coach at his alma mater in 1993, right after he graduated Allegheny College. Um, then he went to Eastern Michigan for a year, Penn for a year. Then he was at Villanova for a couple years. Bowling Green worked for the Green Bay Packers for a couple years. Went to Mississippi State for a year. He was at Florida for a couple years. Tennessee for a year. Syracuse for a year. Back at Florida. Ohio State for a couple years. He's on the 2014 National Championship team, Coach Zeke Elliott. Then he went to the Bears for a couple years, Coach Matt Forte. And then most recently he's been an assistant head coach, running back coach, running game coordinator for Texas, coaching the likes of Bajan Robinson. And, I mean, he's coached a lot of high-level football high-level running backs i said i already mentioned ezekiel elliott he was carl he had carlos hyde uh, matt forte when he was with the bears uh, Bijan robinson i mean he's had some really really talented players and he was around some really really talented guys obviously when he's at the university of florida so i mean this is the guy who who has been through been through it i mean obviously um he, he's been a running back coach his whole life, um, his whole coaching career. So 30 years, basically. Um, and, and he's very, very deserving of this opportunity um, that he is that he is receiving. Um, just because he's a guy who, who's been there and done that as a coach. Um, you guys know every time I do this segment, I go through um, – the program that he's taken over, I go through the year before. So in 2021, this Temple team, um, Drayton, Stan Drayton is taking over a mess. Um, when he came in, this was one of the uh, – it, it was bad, let's just say. I mean, there were players um, talking about how there was just mismanagement by the previous coaching staff. It, I mean, it was a nasty, nasty thing. Like, they had – so many guys entering the transfer portal. Um, it was a mess. But Stan Drayton and his staff have done an amazing job um, kind of turning around the culture quickly. Um, obviously, he's a likable guy, um, and so that helps a lot. Um, but there were games last year where they just stopped competing. I mean, they've lost seven games in a row entering the season. Um, and and. And none of, none of those games were even close. Um, 20 points was the closest game. Um, I mean, you look at their schedule last year. They lost v very handily at Rutgers. They won at Akron by 21. Boston College beat them pretty good. Then they handled Wagner, and they upset Memphis. And their recording, returning quarterback, Dwan Mathis, who was the 20 – who was the 2020 uh, start opening game starter for Georgia? If you can, I mean, it seems so long ago, but um, he had a tremendous game against Memphis. And then they turned around the the last seven games of the season, got throttled by Cincinnati, USF, UCF, East Carolina, Houston, Tulsa, and Navy. Like I said, the closest game was 20 points. Um, so. Obviously, a full sale change needs to be made. They've they've done a really really good job hitting the recruiting trail hard. The parallels to me seem like the parallel of seem like what UConn's coaching staff has done too. Like just the excitement that is being brought back to the program. You have a coach who who is very likable and you trust and is a great football mind. Um, so I, I really feel that. 
the future for Temple football is bright. Maybe not so the immediate future because they have a ton of holes to fill. But you look at their 2020 schedule. Now, they the, the season does start off kind of in their favor. They open the year at Duke, but Duke is also with a first-year coach. Mike Elko is going to do well there, but Duke is a mess. It's going to take him a while to get that fixed. I think you can fix Temple football quicker than you can fix Duke football. Um, so I, I think that there is a I, – I would even say that Temple can, can and maybe even should win at Duke that opening, opening week. Then they play FCS Lafayette, so there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity that they can start the season 2-0. and Then they host Rutgers, um, then UMass. Um, so they could be three and one going into AAC play potentially. Worst case scenario, two and two entering conference play. Um, then they go to Memphis, who they beat last year. Go to UCF, then you get Tulsa at Navy, host uh, South Florida, go to Houston, then they host Cincinnati and East Carolina to end the year. Now the thing that stinks for them is they do have to play Houston, UCF and Cincinnati. So the top three front runners in the league, they have to play them all. Then they have to go to Memphis. They have to play East Carolina, who I'm extremely high on entering the season. I think East Carolina is going to be very good. I, I think the AAC this year as a whole is going to be very good. So I, I, I will say for this season that it's going to be more of the same when it comes to losing but this team is going to compete and play hard in every single game, which is not what they did last year. You're going, you're going to see a team this year that's competing and playing to their highest level. Um, they just weren't even competitive last year, and they, their spirit was gone. And I, I understand that Stan Drayton hasn't been a head coach, um, hasn't even really been an offensive coordinator per se. So, I mean, there is that. But uh, – he, he's been around the game for over 30 years. I mean, like I said, he's an extremely likable guy. So the players are going to gravitate to him. And I think within a year or two, I think Temple football, especially in the new revamped AAC, could really make some noise and do some things. So uh, optimistic for the future. Not the, not the near future, but the future nonetheless. So... Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in uh, weekly, listening. Uh, tomorrow I have another great interview um, with a current player, um, so that one will be interesting. Check that out. As always, feel free to follow me personally at Coach underscore B Will, and then please, please, please follow the podcast Twitter account at TNT College Foot One. Like I said, from now until the end of August, I'll be dropping two teams a day, breaking down uh, – uh, every I, I break down the position groups, then give insight onto each offense, defense, special teams, and then uh, my, project my pro projection for their season and how I see that going, and then uh, just some analysis on uh, the program as a whole. So that's been a – it's a task, but it's it's really, really fun. And, uh, again, at TNT College Foot 1 – and again, thank you guys so much for listening. Have a good night. God bless.